Welcome to the O'Reilly Security Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Allen. This week, I spoke with Gwendo Snyder, Chief Security Officer at Fastly. In this podcast episode, we'll be talking about the proliferation of signal-based security solutions and the importance of security basics and well-trained staff. Enjoy the show. Hi, Window. Thank you so much for joining me on the O'Reilly Security Podcast. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about recognizing and utilizing people in your security posture. Let's start with a brief introduction. How did you begin working in security? I was, um, I was excited about, uh, I was studying mathematics and computer science, and I was excited about cryptography, which led to an interest in cryptanalysis, and I didn't get very far with that. But um, at some point during this path, I discovered a multi-user operating system. And uh, my first you know, few days on the multi-user operating system, which I believe was Ultrix, I was wondering what was keeping my data separate from everybody else's. And uh, back then, it turns out the answer was uh, not very much. And um, kind of led to a, uh, an interest in trying to discover ways to circumvent system controls that try to separate, let's say, my processing from other folks or from the system. Fascinating. Um, yeah, so I was, I, was, I was really excited about taking that apart and learning about it. And, you know, it, over the years, a whole industry grew up around it, which was very convenient for me because I continued to really enjoy working there. That's great. We often hear people who end up sort of falling into the security space uh, because of curiosity. So I can't say I'm shocked to hear that your story sort of touches upon that. <laughs> sure. And what is your role now? I'm the chief security officer at Fastly. Fastly is an edge cloud company. So as key internet infrastructure, it's kind of a sensitive role to be in. So making sure that we are building a network that is secure and supports our customer needs is what I try to deliver. So we have you on the podcast today, and you're going to also be giving a keynote at O'Reilly Security here in the fall. Um, you're going to be talking on the topic of how there is just a vast quantity of security products available on the market. And we're going to discuss how to evaluate their return on investment a bit, and also some of the benefits of utilizing people versus products in certain situations. How would you describe the current status quo? Well, there are so many security companies out there trying to sell us so many security products. And it's really, really hard to evaluate which of these products are going to make a difference in your environment. So my talk is basically describing two different categories that these products fall into and how to evaluate a return on investment and whether or not your investment might be better spent deploying some more traditional strategies that are implemented by people generally, not by tools. Certainly, when you walk the floor at these conferences, we see there are just so many different products. And it's really hard to know when a lot of the people are using very similar language from tool to tool, which are really going to be effective, which fit your environment. So this is such an important topic. How does this status quo that we're talking about, how does it affect organization security posture? Well, there's a lot of money spent on these kinds of tools. And it's really hard to demonstrate that they're either doing what they say they're doing or that they are performing in a way that is better than the competing product in the same space. I've seen organizations who will just deploy similar products over each other, in fact, to, you know, in the hope that if you layer them up, that they'll be able to detect the, the problem that they end up having in their organization. But you don't know because these tools know how to look for the things they know how to look for, which may or may not be the things that the attackers are doing. So it's kind of the space where there's a lot of room for marketing to come in and say, you know, we do all these amazing things. But from when you when you put your security engineers to evaluate these kinds of products, you end up not necessarily being able to say whether it's going to make an impact in your environment or not. 
Yeah, the the myth that more is more. It's interesting to hear that people are perhaps layering similar tools in the hopes that they might be just a little bit more secure. I think fear kind of drives the willingness to deploy in this way. I don't think it's uh, necessarily because someone's identified it uh, to be defective, effective necessarily. Um, but if you look at these tools and they're looking at, they're looking for a different set of signals, they're looking for a different set of things, they might actually find, they might identify different things. So I can see that the logic building up that, oh, well, if I deploy them both, if I deploy all three, or if I deploy all six of these, then um, I have a better chance of catching the, uh, the the superset that they know how to look for, as opposed to you know relying on a single product and hoping that, that that's enough for your organization. But you can deploy an infinite number of these and still not necessarily be able to say that the threats that you're really worried about in your organization are addressed. No, that's a fair assessment. Something that we so frequently come back to is this idea of basic security hygiene. And it sounds like part of what you're advocating for is thinking about the maturity of your organization and whether you should be really spending your budget and your resource of time as well on some of these products if you haven't addressed security hygiene first. Is that true? So there are a lot of things that we as an industry have known how to do for a very long time, but they're still expensive to do. So things like staying up to date with patching Hmm. or moving to more sophisticated authorization models, things like that generally require work and then they might impose a uh, a workflow obstacle to your users and that's expensive as well. Um, Additionally, things that support the ability to... um, I guess, address the signals that you are receiving in your environment. So auditing support, things like that. Going through your code, going through your deployment and identifying either uh, features or potentially systems that are not serving the same purpose that they once did. And if they're just hanging out there potentially with vulnerability in them, plan to reduce the tax surface by eliminating these either features or systems is work that humans generally have to do. And it actually does increase the security of your environment and in a measurable way, because now your attack surface is smaller, but it's not the sort of thing that you can throw a tool in front of and feel like you've checked the box. What I hear you saying is that the true value here is people and that uh, people on your staff can do things that none of these tools are going to be capable of doing. There's something to be said for deploying your security budget in a way that leads to measurable security improvements. Um, instead of hoping that spending your security budget on tools will address your organization's threats in the same way. Ultimately, we still have some questions here about kind of creating priorities within your organization. Um, do you have any recommendations for people that are really just struggling with how to set some priorities? I think it's very hard to stay up on the things that we know we need to do as, as, a, as an industry. I think um, getting the patch window down um, to a smaller and smaller uh, size is is critical for most organizations, but creating churn is also a, a problem. So whether that's the stability of a production environment because you're patching a sensitive system, um, or whether it's, let's say, on your, your users' workstations, the frustration of having to update their systems and, and having the machines rebooted might be frustrating for them. And it's an organizational leap to say that it's more important to address these issues that may lead to security problems when you are dealing with the very real obstacle of user frustration or you know, security exhaustion, because there's there's kind of a, an infant parade of, of things we need to be concerned about and, uh, and, and getting your users to react to them at the appropriate level of urgency 
is is expensive. It, it, it creates fatigue and you don't want that. You just mentioned uh, the idea that it's kind of an organizational leap at times. And part of what we're discussing here is a shift from a mindset that what you need to be secure is a lot of security tools. So if you maybe this resonates with somebody listening and they say, wow, maybe my organization prescribes to that a little bit. How can they start shifting their mindset to maybe a more effective model that's thinking about how they can use their staff resources better? It's very difficult to say that I'm going to, for example, train folks to recognize social engineering. And uh, and that's going to be our strategy for mitigating phishing attacks and, and, and so on. When it should be safe in an organization to click on email, links that they get in email, attachments, and so on. But can we make it safe? So it requires a, a detection technology to say that this attachment doesn't contain any malicious code that we're able to identify. And the able to identify thing is, is, is kind of difficult because, you know, you can never say that it's safe and say that we didn't identify any problem with it. So that means that it's going to be defeatable. And how easily defeatable it is is really the, the thing that we need to understand. It'd be fantastic if we could train all users to be as security aware as we would like them to be. But in reality, that's kind of an unreasonable burden to ask of your employees in general, especially when security is not a core component of their daily work. They should be able to safely follow web links, follow open attachments, receive communications and understand that the person they're talking to really is the person they appear to be. And we don't have great tools to mitigate that stuff. So we're talking here about this profligation of security tools. And I wonder if part of what we're seeing too is a reflection of the fact that there's well-known and well-documented lack of qualified security professionals. Do you feel like you're seeing organizations that might say, well, I can't get another security staff member, so we're just going to keep buying tools? It's reasonable to try and scale security engineering by finding tools that they can leverage that helps them address, let's say, more of the, the work that the organization needs. So if it's an application security engineer, maybe source code analysis tools will help them scale the amount of applications that they can assess in the same amount of time. And that hope is reasonable because there's, you know, we all want to make better use of everyone's time. But without, let's say, somebody there to tune it to your, to your organization, you might end up with a source code analysis tool that finds a lot of issues, creates a lot of flags, and then it's overwhelming for the engineering team to try and address because they're looking at a bunch of data coming at them, some of which results potentially in security vulnerabilities, and some of which they might look at and say, actually, this is fine. The tool doesn't understand these other mitigations that are in place or these reasons that these issues aren't going to be a problem for us and may create a situation where they disregard what the tool is able to identify, even if the tool is able to identify real problems um, at some point. It creates again, fatigue, where you get so much information that you don't know what to do with it. And so you, you stop considering it to be relevant or valuable. And so even the value that it could contribute ends up being lost. Yeah, we certainly see a lot of fatigue and just there's so much noise that the security teams are generally facing. I mean, you can't get past the constant news stories, the latest vulnerabilities. Um, so that certainly resonates. When we're talking about all these different tools, it's important, as, as you've noted, to find the right tools. Um, but once again, there's a lot of noise. How, how do you recommend that people evaluate whether a tool is the right fit for them? What are some strategies they can deploy? So the first category of security tools, I think, are very easy to understand how they're going to 
support the security objectives in your environment. And those tools address things like authentication, authorization, compartmentalization. They might set up a secure connection like a VPN. It might be log aggregation or auditing. It might be virtualization. Those things are, are pretty easy to evaluate and understand you know, how you're going to address a, a real security concern with them. And they, they either work or they don't. Either uh, I'm able to run this in a VM or a container or I'm not. It's not gradations of like how effective is this. And then you start looking at things like how easy is it to use for our users, whether it's like something that they touch directly, like a VPN or an authentication system, or how easy is it to integrate with our existing systems? How easy is it to deploy? How easy is it to manage? And these aren't even security questions. These are just how well does the tool fit into our organization? And those tools, when you spend your money on them as a security manager trying to figure out, is this a good use of my resources? It's very easy to say, like, okay, this is working. It's doing something that we need. It's an easy sell for the most part. And then you look at this other set, which is relying on a signal that it might use to make a determination on blocking or raise a flag that it's detected something interesting. And, you know, some of these, of course, you need, uh, but technologies in this in this category include things like antivirus, anti-malware, endpoint security, IDS, IPS, vulnerability analysis, source code analysis. And when they describe what they're using that makes them better at detecting whatever it is they're looking for, they might describe their heuristics or their vast array of signals that they've been collecting for so long. So signatures, or, you know, maybe they've got a team that's out there looking for vulnerabilities. So their differentiator is, oh, we've got these white hat hackers or gray hat hackers, or we leverage uh, threat intelligence, or, you know, maybe it's machine learning, AI. There's, it's, it gets harder and harder to evaluate whether or not those kinds of tools are doing something that is, is better than the competing tool that's doing the same thing. That's very important. Um, you made some great points. I really appreciate that you noted uh, that this has to work in the real world. It has to work in your environment. A security tool that your staff works around is not a security tool. And you mentioned that there's these huge lists of tools. Would you have any starting point if someone thinks that there's a real business need for one of these signal-based detection tools for how they should approach trying to find one that works for their organization? Should they look at bringing things internally? How do you evaluate? Well, there's some of these tools that you that you can't get around uh, deploying. I mean, every many organizations have a need for any virus, any malware, endpoint security, that sort of things, because they've got, uh, maybe there's a, a compliance issue that they need to address. And the compliance requirement is specifically to, to deploy any virus, any malware, one of these technologies on these kinds of systems, or, or maybe workstations, for example. And so the requirement is met by deploying almost anything, potentially. But are you actually getting value beyond having met the requirement? And then to try and evaluate, okay, I'm looking at these different technologies that I could use that would fill that requirement. Which of these are, am I going to be able to, to get, let's say, some confidence that if a user does something completely reasonable, like clicks on a link in an email or opens an attachment, that um, we'll have some idea of what happened. And that's going to be specific to the environment, to our busy ability to audit in these environments. Not every organization is actually equipped to do that. There are plenty of organizations where security events are, are detected, but not monitored. So if something happens, there's not necessarily someone there to address it. It's difficult. And you're, you're hoping that some of these technologies can block it. So I'm not saying that this set of technologies isn't something there are real needs for in, in most organizations, only that it becomes harder and harder to evaluate efficacy. And it's really hard to differentiate between different providers of these sorts of technologies and what, which, which one of these is going to bring a better approach to addressing the threats that your organization has. Interesting. Okay, well, we're really excited to have you joining us at O'Reilly Security Conference. You're going to be keynoting on the topic that we've been discussing. What other aspects of the conference are you excited about? 
I'm really excited to see an entire security conference devoted to the topic of defense. I feel like this is this is an area that's that's just so critical, <laughs> and um, it's also really hard. I've been talking in the past on the, uh, the plight of the defender and and how we are operating at a disadvantage, really, when it comes to trying to secure diverse environments. But there's been so much focus in the industry on offense when it comes to research and offense when it comes to um, security conferences that it's really exciting to see a conference that's completely devoted to defense. Well, thank you. We're very excited to have a conference uh, entirely devoted to defense. And we're also really excited that you're going to be lending your voice and expertise. So thank you for your upcoming keynote at the event. And also thank you so much for joining me today on the O'Reilly Security Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can reach Window on Twitter at Window. If you like the show, remember to subscribe to the O'Reilly Security Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or SoundCloud so you never miss an episode.